Welcome to Demogranomics, your insight to the powerful surprises ahead for the US economy. Demogranomics, where people make markets. And now, here is Mike Williams. Hello there and welcome back. It's the podcast and uh, it's Mike here. Thanks for joining us. Today we're going to call this, uh uh-oh, don't look now. Boy, did I have that one wrong. The idea that we might have back-to-back weak jobs reports was um, hmm, blown out of the water right after we posted the podcast Friday morning. Uh, The jobs report was not only positive for June, but it added more jobs back from previous downward revisions. Needless to say, the markets liked it as we witnessed the averages take back anything left from Brannock. That's my own little blended word. You know how the media likes these blended words now. They went with Brexit. I went with Brannock, which is Brexit panic. And then some. Just a few points away from all-time new highs, and the markets have left many pondering why. I can hear a chorus of fear-mongering experts already asking, how could this be happening with all the bad news out there? The same reason it's happened repeatedly at important times in history. In 1982, after a lost decade of the 70s, or October 20, 1987, the day after the worst day in our generation percentage-wise, October 19th, where the market lost 22%. In early 1992, after the real estate market collapsed in the commercial world and we lost 1,500 banks, Late 1995, after two years of going nowhere, just like we spent the last two years. Late 1998, you know, after the collapse of Russia and the loss of Asian tigers and the loss of the big hedge fund up in Connecticut, the big smart guys up there that roiled the bond market. The market went down 28% from the middle of summer of 98 to October 8th, 1998. And then went it straight up for two years. How about March of 2003, you know, when everybody hated tech stocks after a bear market? Or even March of 2009, when the world was really ending. It happened all of those times and on Friday because the future is set to be far brighter than our fears currently define. That's the way it always works. Friday's actions suggest our hoped-for summer swoon Better get here pretty quickly. That's the only problem. Soon we may be left to accept that our summer swoon for 2016 was, well, two days long and over 48 hours after Brexit. Pretty funny. I may not have been bullish enough. Some stats, please. Digging a little deeper into the jobs data, we find one of the more important aspects are income levels. As you can see, the jobs data has gotten a bit more choppy lately, along with everything else. Payroll employment rose just 11,000 in May after revisions and then ramped 287,000 last month, as what many may call a catch-up ensued. Keep in mind, though, the data also suggests the labor force dropped 820,000 during April and May. They just stopped looking for jobs, apparently. And then rebounded half those back in June. I think the point is, is we can have a steadier view using the ADP private sector payroll data. You know how governments can screw up reports. 
ADP is a private-driven report, and it's based on actual paychecks processed by the firm. They tend to show a more solid pace of gains at a much steadier pace, still coming in an average 180,000-plus jobs a month, year-to-date anyway. As we said before in the last month's job data review, keep in mind that while many fret over month-to-month changes, the JOLTS report, that's the Job Openings report, continues to put job openings at a record high. Some of the chop could very well be that it is getting more difficult for more employers to find qualified employees. Remember the next time, remember that the next time we get all bothered by a low monthly report. It's not always that jobs are not being fulfilled, it's that they can't be fulfilled. And we're going to see more and more of that as Generation Y takes more of the reins in our economy. Why? Because they're all high tech and not everybody else is. What matters most in the end, the most important aspect we want to keep an eye on is the rate of wage and salary gains occurring as a result of payroll, job, and hourly wage growth. Based on the latest data, the earned income proxy rose to yet another record high in June, tacking on three-tenths of a percent month over month, showing it's now up over 4.3% year over year. As much as this will go against the grain of all the naysaying, the data stands as a solid foundation for retail sales, overall consumer spending, and the broader economy. What do I really mean? Paychecks have never been this high, collectively speaking. A longer viewpoint, I must say, having looked everywhere for the same set of circumstances as we have today, I admit to being totally stumped. I cannot find a time in the past where we stood at near record highs in the averages with this much deeply seated fear embedded in the crowd, almost across the board. If I told you again that fund managers have record cash levels in their funds or that consumers are still sitting on over $8.3 trillion in cash, you'd be convinced the markets must be down pretty big from their most recent highs. Further, if I told you that just a few months ago, we hit the lowest level of bullish investors in the last 30 years, even lower than both 2003 and 2009, you would be right to assume a bear market might have already been somewhat aged. If I capped these facts off with the following data, you'd be darn near assured that markets were in protracted corrective stages. I'm going to give you some snapshots of data. Citigroup has a panic euphoria model. Last week, it registered at levels not seen since 1994, when we were then also in a two-year window where we were kind of going nowhere. Everybody thought another recession was coming. Back then, we called it a double dip because it was a rebound from the 91-92 recession from the commercial real estate collapse. But that's the level of panic read in their own panic euphoria model. Another point here is um, coming straight out of uh, 
occurrences of the term stock market crash in news media. The term stock market crash was used more in the last week than it has been used in 15 years. Imagine that. 3% off our highs, all-time highs, and stock market crash was used more than it's been used in 15 years. I've often talked about the sell-side consensus indicator. This is done by Bank of America Merrill Lynch, BAML for short. And what it tells us today is that the sell side of the street, those are the people that tell you how much stock to own in your account from all the big houses. Here's where their levels are. They're back to levels seen in 1995. There's that number again. And get this, all the way back to 1987, the day after the crash in October. That's how bad they feel today. How many points have we traveled since then? 16,000 Dow points. The Dow is up eight times over since then. Almost 10 times over. And yet, Wall Street specialists, the guys that have been sold to you as the ones to tell you everything that's important, the wizard behind the curtain, Wall Street itself is that bearish. So again, if I told you all this data collectively, you would be you would be certain, you would be right to be certain that the markets were already in a bear market correction. But you'd be vastly incorrect in that very logical assumption. Lest we make the error of not seeing how valuable this data is, keep in mind where the averages were during those previous periods I just mentioned. The answer, well, if you go back to 1994 and 5, 14,000 points higher. If you go all the way back to 1998, uh, excuse me, 87, I apologize, 87, 16,500 points higher. And again, let's not forget the fact that that eight-week rolling average just last week that I went over with you in your AAII Investment Sentiment Survey, remember that's at levels on an eight-week rolling average basis that we haven't seen since the early 90s. How far back does one have to go? A long time. And the reading back then in the Dow was less than 20% of where we are now. Now, I realize one can take one of these data points and suggest, well, Mike, that's just an outlier and therefore really means nothing. It becomes much more difficult, however, to take all of these data points repeatedly for weeks and weeks at a time and then comprehensively deny they provide a potentially staggering set of implications. Recall all the while that this is happening. Again, that we're literally percentage points away from prices never seen before in our indices. Investors continue to literally flood bond funds and bond auctions in their demand for, and I'm quoting here, safety over the equity risk in the future. I wish I could provide you an example of when these circumstances have come together before, but I can't. 
I'm going to call this section Sniff Sniff. Maybe instead of great setbacks to take advantage of, we instead to continue to chop back and forth just under the breakout into all-time highs. The broad-based nature of the rally on Friday, along with bonds barely budging, in other words, they still ramped into bonds, hints that we might be getting that break to an all-time higher earlier than anticipated. Still, the masses prefer bonds. So much for that summer swoon I was hoping for. By the way, I'm still hoping for it in the dreaded doldrums of August. Who knows what could trigger it, but if it happens, pay attention. The market may very well be sniffing out something we have noted often here before. Our economy is wrapped so tightly these days, but all focused on one possible outcome, our potential demise. We focused for so long on making sure we wring out all the risk we could create another 2008-9 that we have completely missed the more important risk. Can we deliver on the demand that is headed our way? I'm not quite sure people have registered with the idea that over the next 10 years, 50 million plus kids are going to move out of their house. And they're not going to live in the street or a tent. They're going to need a place to live and they're going to go get their own jobs and build their own lives and get their own families and get married and do all the things you do when you grow up. Now, not all of them are going to do it, but most of them will. Think of that. 50 million kids are going to show up looking for a place to live. Keep in mind also that we've been averaging about 600,000 new homes a year for the last seven years. 600,000 against millions of demand in the next 10 years. Tens of millions Along with still feeling all the pain of the 2009 bottom in stocks, the experts have been blinded by the nature in which the energy sector earnings were being reported to the masses. Yes, energy had a bear market. If you were listening to these podcasts, you didn't feel that pain because you weren't involved in it. You had a sense it was coming. Yes, it drove impact into other related sectors for a time. For example, All those drilling rigs needed pieces. They needed manufacturing. They needed production. They needed output from manufacturing facilities. And indeed, those facilities had fewer orders as the energy sector retrenched. But it created this giant fear of an earnings recession. Okay? Get this, though. Total earnings during the entire process of almost losing our entire earnings structure from the earnings, the energy sector, during that whole 15-month period, five quarters of reported earnings, the peak to valley was a total of 2.7% off the all-time highs. Oddly enough, though, margins have stayed very close to their 10.5% levels, where they hit records in 2014. And now... Forward earnings and revenues have stopped going down and have been rising for weeks. In another quarter or so, we will no longer care about 2016 data and will be focused instead on 2017 and 18 projections, all of which are now steadily rising. In essence, one can readily argue that the nature of the world continues to throw everything it can 
at the United States economy, and it keeps on ticking. Last on this front, while there is still plenty to fret over and always will be, the monster that we began the year with, remember the energy crisis, low energy was terrible for us, well, it's fallen by the wayside. Why? We can expect the rebound in oil prices since the start of the year means that the energy sector's revenues and earnings guidance will improve. They once created the earnings recession, and they're now boosting overall S&P 500 expected results rather than weighing them down. That's what we've said repeatedly in multiple podcasts. The round trip is coming. By the end of Q3, we're going to start reporting numbers based on a year ago, and they're going to look fantastic. Not too shabby and right on time for the round trip nature of these events. In closing today, listen, there's always going to be another monster. When Brexit is done, when the panic is done, when the, oh my gosh, it's the end of the world is done, you know what's going to happen? There's going to be another one, even bigger, something we didn't recognize. It'll be worse. It'll have much more damaging effect. And we'll be told that indeed our future is doomed. But we must recognize that the U.S. economy finds itself in a relatively rare, special position, the barbell economy, one that is massively overlooked or outright misunderstood. As noted before, we spend way too much time focusing on making sure we eliminated the pain of another 08 and 09. That is a fallacy in thinking and may very well have planted the seeds for what our next problem might be. What would that be? Lots of surprising demand with a lengthy ramp up to fill it. Imagine that. In another few quarters, we're going to start hearing companies say we couldn't meet all the sales potential that we had. Our pipeline is growing. Our demand is increasing. And we, quite honestly, didn't see it coming. That's what you're going to start hearing in another year or two. The pendulum is setting up to swing the other way. It's been a long time coming. But it is coming. And why? Because of people. And the data suggests the demand in our demographic barbell pipeline will set records on many fronts and for far longer than currently anticipated. So get ready for plenty more to be afraid of and lots of opportunity along the way. We'll cover more later in the next podcast. But listen, until then, may your journey be grand and your legacy significant.